all wasted. But as I raved and grew more fierce and wild, at every word methought I heard one calling, Child, and I replied, My lord. As best he could with his aching arm, he threw the volume across the room. Absolutely not. He refused to make of his collar or of the affliction it was designed to assuage a metaphor for anything grandiose. Metaphysical poets may pass easily from trivial to sublime, but on the strength of the experience of the past eighteen months, Zuckerman's impression was of proceeding, if at all, in the opposite direction. Writing the last page of a book was as close as he'd ever come to sublimity, and that hadn't happened in four years. He couldn't remember when he'd written a readable page. Even while he was wearing the collar, the spasm in the upper trapezius and the aching soreness to either side of the dorsal spine made it difficult to type just the address on an envelope. When a Mount Sinai orthopedist had ascribed his troubles to twenty years of hammering away at a manual portable, he at once went off to buy an IBM Selectric too. However, when he tried at home to get to work, he found that he ached as much over the new, unfamiliar IBM keyboard— as he had over the last of his little Olivetti's. Just a glimpse of the Olivetti stowed away in its battered traveling case at the back of his bedroom closet, and the depression came rolling in, the way Bojangles Robinson must have felt looking at his old dancing shoes. How simple, back when he was still healthy, to give it a shove and make room on his desk for his lunch or his notes or his reading or his mail— How he'd love to push them around, those silent, uncomplaining, sparring partners. The pounding he'd been giving them since he was twenty. There, when he paid his alimony and answered his fans. There, to lay his head beside when overcome by the beauty or ugliness of what he'd just composed. There, for every page of every draft of the four published novels, of the three buried alive. If Olivetti's could talk, you'd get the novelist naked." while from the IBM prescribed by the first orthopedist, you'd get nothing, only the smug puritanical workmanlike hum telling of itself and all its virtues. I am a correcting selectric too. I never do anything wrong. Who this man is, I have no idea, and from the look of things, neither does he. Writing manually was no better. Even in the good old days, pushing his left hand across the paper— He looked like some brave, determined soul learning to use an artificial limb. Nor were the results that easy to decipher. Writing by hand was the clumsiest thing he did. He danced the rumba better than he wrote by hand. He held the pen too tight. He clenched his teeth and made agonized faces. He stuck his elbow out from his side as though beginning the breaststroke, then hooked his hand down and around from his forearm so as to form the letters from above rather than below— the contortionist technique by which many a left-handed child had taught himself how not to smear his words as he proceeded across the page from left to right back in the era of the inkwell. A highly recommended osteopath had even concluded that the cause of Zuckerman's problems was just this, the earnest left-handed schoolboy straining to overcome the impediment of wet ink who had begun microscopically to twist the writer's spine off the vertical axis and screw it down cockeyed into his sacrum. His ribcage was askew. His clavicle was crooked. His left scapula winged out at its lower angle like a chicken's. Even his humerus was too tightly packed into the shoulder capsule and inserted in the joint on the bias. 
though to the untrained eye he might appear more or less symmetrical and decently proportioned. Within, he was as misshapen as Richard III. According to the osteopath, he had been warping at a steady rate since he was seven. Began with his homework. Began with the first of his reports on life in New Jersey— In 1666, Governor Carteret provided an interpreter for Robert Treat and also a guide up the Hackensack River to meet with a representative of Oraton, the aged chief of the Hackensacks. Robert Treat wanted Oraton to know that the white settlers wished only peace. Began at ten with Newark's Robert Treat and the euphonian's elegance of interpreter and representative, ended with Newark's Gilbert Karnofsky and the blunt monosyllables cock and cunt. Such was the hackensack up which the rider had paddled, only to dock at the port of pain. When sitting upright at the typewriter became too painful, he tried leaning back in an easy...